Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com So this week's sounds of Kevin Bloody Wilson. It's hump day with Swanee and friends. This is part one that we're doing as part two because we've already done part one. Samantha Richards, Dane Swan. And guest friend, fellow Collingwood legend, Dermot Brereton. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, how are you? What, was, what, was that Kevin Bloody Wilson? Yeah. Yeah, you didn't oh. have your headphones on. Oh yeah, sorry like, about that. Like I could Dane vaguely hear it through the headphones mm, yeah. lying on the table. I th- was it um, by any chance uh, you ought to see me when I'm pissed? <laughs> no, it was, uh, it was over before it begun. Oh, right. <laughs> it's quite fitting for us. <laughs> Did that any shows with Kev over the years? Uh, no, I've seen one though, and I had, <laughs> and I had one of his albums. <laughs> yeah. Actually, you should run a quiz on that. Ring in if you've got a Kevin Bloody Wilson album. <laughs> and if you're still prepared to play it nowadays. <laughs> How do you think him and Ronnie Root would go? Yeah, oh, they were the Cornella in the 80s, weren't yeah. they, They, I reckon if you, it, it'd be like putting two Siamese or Japanese fighting fish together. <laughs> you know, they're both going for the same market. They might fight know. each other and butt heads. Are they still, are they still on the tour? They, wouldn't, they, they couldn't cancel well, them Kev too, is. could you? They're, they're, they're. I don't know if Rod, Rodney's still going, but Kev is. He's still loving it because I've yeah. been following him, so he's always out and about and doesn't mm. give a fuck, which is good. Good yeah. for him. Hey, you know what? I'm, I've just had a thought. Um, somebody will ask me tonight, uh, what do you do today? And I say, oh, yes, back to... to um, uh, Dane Ralphie and, and the lovely Sam and and uh, and they had me in to talk about Kevin Bloody Wilson. <laughs> <That's right>. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, thanks for doing it, and you, and uh, got you on the car on the way back from the farm. Yes. So, what's what's yeah. your, what's what's your farm world in Doom life? Uh, well, my partner Julie's here. She's good on the tractor. We've got a front end loader on the tractor. We've got a yeah. slasher on the back. Uh, we've got what have we got? About fifty head of cattle, tools. Yep, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit louder, George. Oh, you're not that near. Rolling up four mics. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, where, t- where is it roughly? Uh, north of North of Hay. Yeah. Sixty odd k's outside North of Hay. Hot as EDR means jockstrap. Mm. Pretty barren, <laughs> although it's uh, uh, the water in the rivers spreading outwards, so yep. it's a bit wet in spots. It's receded a little bit in the last month or so, but um, yeah, I love it up there. Although you're as country as Dana, aren't you? Yeah. Is, that what yeah, I was say, is that where you grew up? Or is it, what did you, what <laughs> yeah, no. I grew up in the, that, that, that beautiful country town, Frankston. <laughs> oh, yeah, beautiful country, <laughs> yeah. Which is, yeah, is yeah, South yeah. West Meadows. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Although when I was, actually this is true, when, we, when I grew up in Frankston, we lived on a road called Golf Links Road, and 
my house was officially, well, my house, my parents' house, was officially the furthest house south out of Frankston. Right. Yeah, so I could stand on the roof and look down over the bay right to the city and I thought, nobody else in Melbourne, Victoria, has a view like this. <laughs> Had to stand on the tiled yeah. roof and uh, and I was in Frankston. There were no houses be- behind us to and the now? south. I bet 10,000 <laughs> on the other side <laughs> of the road. Have you felt like going back? Uh, well, I do go back every uh, couple of times every or week. I play cricket. <laughs> no, 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 I play you. cricket with my mates. And uh, that's down at in the MPCA. I play with a lovely little team called Heather Hill. Um, and, uh, yeah, get to see my mates. I play with one of my mates who I sat next to in, in grade four, five and six. Oh. Yeah, so... How do you go? Uh, I wasn't a bad cricketer in my day, Swanee. Mm. Now um, I'm a little sore. How's <laughs> the running between wickets? Quick and sharp, is it? Oh. I've been run out quite a few times, <laughs> remembering what I used to do and the incapability of actually getting there, getting to the other end. <laughs> now, yeah, so. just fours and sixes now, and slow singles. Uh, it's more like uh, the odd uh, duck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I love it. Oh, it's great fun and the club atmosphere of being around your mates, absolutely reconnecting with them. Yeah. Well, apart from the, the Collingwood connection, obviously is. Two greats of the Collingwood Football Club. <laughs> <laughs> but giving back, Dane, you've been giving back to the suburban community and, and you you played footy, local footy. I did. Unfortunately, it was pre, uh, pre sort of social media where everyone took phones and it was a good idea not to belt people behind yeah, the Yeah, although we did, we did film it. It got filmed. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. Um, so I went back there. Yeah, unlike Swanee, I was the only bloke in our team, Frankston Bombers, who wasn't getting paid. <laughs> um, <laughs> my best mate, Slug, he was the president, Jeff Craig, uh, and he said, how much do you want, Bremington? And, <laughs> and uh, I said, oh, mate, I don't want anything. And he said, no, I've got to pay you something because <laughs> you'll be the only bloke in the team that doesn't get paid. And so it was 10 bucks a you know, a loss and I think 20 bucks a win and I said, nah, keep it, mate, yeah. keep it. So yeah. Very but similar, very yeah, similar. Very <laughs> yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Dane gets cleared a few times during the year uh, to, to, to play for different clubs. Yeah, I know. How does that work? Do you, does, any, does anybody go through the old, that old chestnut of, oh, we're not giving him a clearance? <laughs> wow. Some have joked about it. And I've shit myself for a couple of nights thinking I'm going back to fucking the middle of absolutely nowhere in the middle of Australia. But um, no, generally, they've, they've well, I have so far, I've all been cleared, but um, I've played in some places. Yeah, after yeah. that last sentence, I'm, I'm tipping we're not, Heavily um, uh, critiqued with censorship on this. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. You twigged to that? No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. no, no, no. You can say what you like, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. Absolutely. <laughs> so, your Collingwood experience to talk, loved us, it. talk us through that. Absolutely loved yeah. it. I barred for Collingwood as a kid. Yeah. And uh, so I played, uh, okay, so I played at Hawthorne for about 14 years, was successful there. Any premierships? Uh, <laughs> quite a few, <laughs> um, And got injured. And it's funny, when you've got something and it's no longer able to compete at the same level that it once was, I'm talking about the entity of a specific footballer, you view it as excess baggage. And that's what Hawthorne did in in the day. And there was half a dozen of us. They viewed it as excess baggage. Um, And it's only the management 
in the club at that time. So they let go half a dozen or pushed out half a dozen of us. Um, went to Sydney, didn't work out there. I was too set in my way. Did you think you were done at all? Did you? I knew my body was yeah. was ruined. You know the old explosive test where you touch as high as you can above your head and then you uh, jump and that's your explosive. Yeah. So I could do – I had a really good explosive leap for a bloke with big fat barrel chest and skinny legs. I could actually jump. Um and I had 76 centimetres was my standing static jump. Yeah. When <laughs> my last year at Hawthorne, it was 43. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew things were on the wane, Dane. Yeah, and, uh, but I knew I still had a, a good nous for footy and an understanding and an ability to still find it. I just couldn't be as explosive yeah. as I was. So, uh, yeah, it had been injured terribly during the time. Uh, Sydney wanted me to go up there, went up there, but I was too set in my ways and I had to travel from Sydney, Melbourne, return back to Sydney three times a week. So you lived business. in Melbourne? So you weren't full-time up there. Did you live in Melbourne? Or? I lived in Sydney. Right, but you still had commitments. But I just started a business, a crash repair shop, which lasted for 25 years or so before I sold my share in. Um, I had work with Channel 9 in Melbourne, so I, it was just too much to make that sort of travel and play good football. So I couldn't settle. Um, yeah, and, and it was very difficult. Uh, my wife uh, at the time had just fallen pregnant, so she wasn't moving up there. So, in all, uh, yeah, she wanted the support of the home network around her, so she stayed down here while I was up there, but travelling down, and then I'd try and pinch extra nights down here as well. So it was just a very convoluted year and it was a recipe for a, a disastrous year in terms of form and I played accordingly. Collingwood came to the party and I trained really hard in the off-season after Sydney and Lee Matthews, I saw him watching us at training once. I thought, oh, I wonder what poor bastard he's here to watch. <laughs> and and then Gabby Allen made contact with me and, uh, yeah, so I... Trained as hard as I could, and they said, and uh, Lee actually said, uh, he said, we've got a pretty young team. We've got, you know, Quag, Quag Kelly in the back line, and he can look after the young blokes and Quizzo. And in the middle, we've got Gavin Brown and, and Monkey. But in the forward line, we're really, really young. And uh, we just need somebody who can ride shotgun for them. We've got this young boy, Severio Walker. And, uh, yeah, he needs somebody to just sort of lead the way and show him Whatever. I'm and just thinking, what's the list in, in Australia of people who could talk about Lee Matthews like that? I think, <laughs> I think it's Pretty one, sure. you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, so... Oh, well, actually, it's funny you mention that because you know when every year your first sort of night training or your, your first day before the whole intake, yeah. you go out somewhere and you have a day in front of a, a whiteboard or a blackboard and the coach writes down all the rules, all this. And the Yabby Jeans used to say, all right, I know some, most of you have heard it. You sit in again and listen to it, will you? <laughs> but Lee had his one. And I put my hand up and said, and, because uh, he had a few different strategies yeah. to what I was used to. And I said, Barney, what do we do with this? And I got kicked <coughs> under the table by Gary Perth. <laughs> I go, oh, he must have, that was accidental, he must have fidgeted or whatever. And then um, he asked me something again, and I said, no, Barney, that's not, and I got kicked again. And then Gary Burt leant over and whispered to me, you can't call him Barney. <laughs> and 
Lee twigged onto it and he said, look, Dermot and I, we've played in premierships together. <laughs> so he's the one who can call me Barney in the womb, all right? <laughs> so I was always allowed to call him Barney. So I had that feel. And he used to ask me stuff about on ground what was happening and and whatever. So he tapped into me as much as I learned from him. He was a fantastic coach. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that right at the end of the year, he probably felt like he'd been through a real campaign. He, he said to me one thing at the end of 95. He said, the more I've coached, the more I've realised that the, you, you once they run out in the ground, you've got less control over them than you think. Yes. And I said, yeah. That's true. But as soon as the coach thinks that, he's I don't say he's given up, he's he's probably feeling like he hasn't got as much power over him as he does. And <laughs> quite quite frankly, someone like Alan Jeans always had power over us. And I think he got and it Mick, back again and at, Mick, at, yeah. at Brisbane. <laughs> Mick would have been similar as him, yeah, for sure. So well, Alan, Je- Alan Jeans coached Mick Malthouse. Yeah, at yeah, St Kilda. Kilda. And Alan Jeans, when we would play against the early days, Footscray, when Mick was coached there, Jeansy would say, expect it to be bloody on today because I coached that boy in the other room over there and he is a dogfighter. He will come out and he'll make them do this. Yeah. And, and it's funny how parents bestow certain traits on their children yeah. unwittingly. I've noticed over my journey, so I played my first game in 82, so what are we, 40-odd years, 41st year this year yeah. in, in and around league football, just as parents bestow their traits on, on their children, coaches bestow their traits on their players who then become coaches and they pick up and run with those traits as well. It's a real, you can really see... I'll call it lineage of the coaching from where they've come from. The one that has the biggest effect on them, that's some of their coaching philosophies and and the strands of that DNA. What would Mick think uh, you've run with? (laughs) Um, Well, in this day and age, you probably wouldn't be able to tell me. You're not allowed to fucking... Coaching, you're not allowed to do much these days. Um, <laughs> even when I, well, when I spoke to Mick at the Premiership Ring, I know you have quite a lot of them, Derm, but we have one. Um, they get a bit... When you have to go every second <laughs> year, Sonny, it, yeah. it does get a little tiresome. Yeah, and there's a few in a row too, you know. <laughs> the biggest break we get off every decade is two years. <laughs> Tough, wasn't it? Oh, it gets boring. I haven't been to the last couple. I'm sick of seeing them. <laughs> Only joking. Um, uh, Mick said he says you couldn't coach in this era, this day and age, with how the world is and not being able to. You know, he, as you would know, he's probably quite an aggressive, in your face. Sort he's of fantastic. He coached me in a couple of um, representative okay. games. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I loved him. Yeah, he was, he was fantastic. Absolutely. He, Certainly, let you knew where you, where you stood. Um, mm. Where now it's all about nurturing and hugging, and even if you get beat by hundred points, you still went okay. Where I'm not sure Mick would have stood for getting beat by hundred <laughs> points no. at any time, anytime soon. Well, that's the same thing as Jeans. Yeah, Mick coached us the first time he coached me was remember the Sun All Stars that you want. You're too young, yeah. Swanee. You're definitely. Too <laughs> they young. did that for a bushfire game. They did many, many years ago. Now, I played in that one out at Waverley Park and we had to play the reigning Premier, which was Essendon. 
So oh, I put on the your favourite team, the Herald Sun. <laughs> it had it was a yellow jumper with a white circle and the Herald Sun rooster on the front. <laughs> I thought, oh, you cock, that suits me. Yeah, <laughs> Anyway, so gone out there and blokes were running around and Essendon were pantsing us. Absolutely. Was it a, how serious was, was it? A well, Essendon was serious because they were treating it as a warm up uh, match yeah. into the season. It was about. Two weeks before the start of the season. Imagine doing that now. Well, oh. oh, the blow up from the opposition. Well, we team. got once again nickel and dime. They gave us about a hundred bucks, hundred and fifty bucks to play in it. And Mick was the coach, and he was getting really upset because no one was having a real go. Well, I didn't need much coaching to have a crack at Essendon, <laughs> and I thought, nah, stuff this. I'm going to have a real crack at these bastards. So they were. Running around doing what they want. And back in the old days, even if you run along whistling Dixie next to somebody carrying the ball, if you were within five metres, you were legal. You were legal tender. You were, you were game. Um, and I picked off a few, which sounds bad in this era, and a couple got stretched off. And, and, and that, done, that doesn't sound as bad as picking off a few, yeah. Just a couple stretched it off. Yeah. And uh, Mick... Mick Come up to me and said, "Thanks for that. I'll never forget that." <laughs> <laughs> After the game, I remember one one moment in it. There was a bloke you might remember him. You remember Nuts Keen, number thirty-five for Essendon. Essendon, yeah, yeah. He was he was playing his first game of senior footy. Poor bugger, <laughs> and he was running along, calling for a handball side onto the ball carrier, and I ran full sprint at the ball carrier, and then I just peeled off and just took him out. Anyway, when I'm standing over him and the stretcher was laid down <laughs> next to him, they're swearing at me. I said, "It's our first game," and I can ah stuff him. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I go back to centre half forward. And then they're waiting for the bounce of the ball, the stretches. So there's a bit of walking off. So there's a bit of a break. And then the, I say the runner run out to centre half forward for Essendon. And then Big Roger makes his way around the Roger square. Yeah. <laughs> and he comes to centre half back. And I go, oh, no, this go. is going to not end well for me. He's going to knock me around a bit here. And uh, I thought, well, yeah, you've taken down a couple. You have a bit of fun here, you'll I'll like a fight as much as the next idiot. <laughs> I'll get bloodied and I'll get battered and I'll get bruised here in the last ten minutes of the game, but yeah, I'll have a crack. And Roger comes around and he stands next to me and I think, All right, it's about to start. <laughs> and he says to me, You keep neat and tidy, and so will I. And I looked at him and said, You got a deal, Roger? <laughs> <laughs> Got out of jail. <laughs> so I won't say who, but and for those who don't know why, I worked with the Channel 9 at Triple M when it first started. And I remember you used to get filthy if a player would take someone out, but he wasn't the type who'd put his own head over the ball. Yeah, yeah. If, you, if, you, if you're going to play the game, you're going to do it both ways. Yeah, you've got to lay a bit each way. Getting back to Lee Matthews, I believe you, you, the, one of the great stories about him was he, he would cop it too. Oh, yeah. Lee. Was it Steve Lawrence? It was a Barry Lawrence story? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, oh well, Tubby Lawrence. Alan Jeans told us about uh, Tubby Lawrence. Jeans, he reckons he'd never say who the best player he ever coached was, but he said the best player to coach was. Remember Stevie Lawrence played yep. at Brisbane. That his old man, yep. Tubby Lawrence, shortish fullback, centre half back. Said he was the best player to coach he ever had, um, and he <laughs> reckons. Jeans, he reckons he's only ever said twice. <laughs> 
In 700-odd games, I don't care how you bloody do it, go out there and stop him. <laughs> and one was, he said to Barry Lawrence, um, uh, bloody Robert Walls has run around and got a few of our younger fellas, go out there and I don't care how you do it, stop him. <laughs> anyway, about three minutes later, when the coaches sit in the box on the ground, in the old days, down on the bench is yeah. what they call it. Now that's where they used to always sit. <laughs> a stretcher came past with a blanket over it and then Walsy's arm just fell out the side <laughs> and just hung there. <laughs> and Jeansy reckons he thought, I've just bloody associated myself into manslaughter <laughs> like And the other time was he, he's, I won't say the, some of the names, but um, the great Lee Matthews, who was as tough as could be, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he not only was he the best player of all time, he was so tough, Swanee. Yeah. He was seriously tough. Couldn't fight. No. Could not fight. You'd watch him in the gym. He was one of the few, you know, every era when you go into the gym at a footy club, you, you see out of 40-odd blokes, two or three of them, when they're working on the bag, the bag actually wins. Yeah. It, it, that was Lee. Oh, he really? couldn't. No, he was hopeless. <laughs> Couldn't couldn't punch to save himself, but if you accidentally ran into an errant elbow, or <laughs> it was like hitting an oversized wombat. <laughs> you know, it was just five foot ten and fifteen stone of wombat. It was just dense. You know how you hit a kangaroo with your car, yeah. like a car. You might. But, Dent the bumper, whereas you hit a wombat, it stoves the front of your car. Yeah, that was Lee. He just, I accidentally ran into a, a, a draped arm out the back when he kicked one. So I thought, no, nah, I'm not going to tackle him, won't get to him in time. And I ran into his upper arm and it stunned me, it rocked me. I dropped to my knees. It was bloody circle work. <laughs> but anyway, so Jeansy reckons the only other time was, was half time. Lee's kicked four or five in a game where there's about ten goals kicked for the match and he's taken out a couple of St Kilda's boys. This is when Jeansy was coaching St Kilda and he reckons at half-time he said, I need somebody to put their bloody hand up and say they're going to take on Lee Matthews and take him out of the game. And Gary Colling, who was one of my school teachers, he reckons everybody started looking at their feet. <laughs> <laughs> no one wanted to go out there and take on Lee Matthews. Anyway, so he picked out somebody who that day was captaining. And he says, it's up to you. Go out there and I don't care how you bloody do it. Stop him. <laughs> anyway, so he went out there and accidentally smashed his nose in and he reckons there's two nostrils underneath one eyeball <laughs> over there. So it was quite so. And Lee was on his haunches. And the person who did it stood on the mark because it was only a free kick. And, you know, when you stand on the mark, somebody's on their haunches. He tapped him with his knee and he's gone, you all right, Lee? You all right? <laughs> and then Lee just gurgled through a bit of blood and whatever. <laughs> and he got a bit braver and he thought, come on, Barney, get up. And Lee still gurgles and that and he rises to his feet and he pokes him in the chest and says, you don't look so tough now, do you? And through this, Lee's sort of motioning and clicking his nose back into gear. <laughs> and he pulls his two hands down below his chin. And all the blood runs out of his nose through that black moustache. And Lee didn't wear a mouth guard. And so it went all through his teeth and it dripped off his chin. And in the cup he made in two hands under his, under his chin, more blood flowed into there. 
Anyway, he just lifted it up and went, <laughs> <laughs> and he licked the blood out. And it, apparently there were bits, bits of drops of blood just dri- dripping <laughs> off his moustache, that black moustache. And he looked real closely into the person's face and said, you're really fucked now. <laughs> <laughs> so it took him a few moments to come good. But you got him? Uh, he, was just, he, he genuinely was frightening out there. He was just such a good player. But, so so... Yeah, if you think of Dipper or Ezzy or Lee Matthews in your era. But y- the dirtiest player was not any of them, was it? No, the dirtiest was Michael Tuck. <laughs> <laughs> so it went, He's uh, only got one week suspended. I don't think he even got suspended, think, Tucky. No, I don't think so. And He um, he was tough too for a skinny bike. Well, ju- just to <laughs> set this up, we had Nick, Nick Maxwell in. There's something else we've probably got in common with Swatty here in that you know, Nick was a lower profile. Captain wasn't considered, was probably one of the first to not be the best player. Yep. Um, and... Nick read a book called The Captain's Class, which I've also read, and it's – have you heard of it? This no, Wall I've Street, heard of it. I haven't read Wall it Wall Street yet. Journal guy, yep. and he's gone all around the world looking at dominant eras. Didn't yep. do Hawthorne in the 80s, but he did Collingwood in the 20s, even though he's an American writer. Yeah. But he said what every captain has in common of great sides is they're lower profile and they're fucking nasty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's Tucky, wasn't it? Well, that's Tucky, and, and, and I'll talk about Tucky in a second, but that's why I love Richie Vandenberg. Yeah. We were a knackered side and and it, when Richie Vandenberg, I think there was 43 players on our list and 42 voted for Richie over Shane Crawford. Yep. The only one who didn't vote for Richie was Richie. Yep. That's leadership. And he was willing to do what it took. And, and so that first Premiership Hawthorne of that era won 2008. Richie didn't wasn't able to hang on to get. He was the Nathan Jones of Hawthorne. Yeah, he he just, just couldn't make it yeah. through. His body wouldn't hold him through. But he had his fingerprints all over that. He's a fantastic. I'm sad they've lost him now. The club, but Tucky was an all time great. It's 400. Mm. You remember that 426 mm. games. It's a lot of games. Mm. And he played I, a heap in the reserves, didn't he? A ninety something. Fuck. <laughs> I. Remember a day where the great John Kennedy Sr. came out and spoke to us before a game. And it was a day when I think there was a couple of celebrations, you know, milestone celebrations. One of them was Michael Tuck's 250th. And I reckon it was my second year. The first year I only played two games. They were both final swimming. Um, and <laughs> so five in his first. <laughs> so it could have been my second full year. Um, anyway, it was Tucky's 250th. So Jeansy invited the great John Kennedy Sr. to talk. So I ran out in the ground and I thought, all oh, right, OK, I'm playing like game 10 or whatever it was. Michael Tuck... 250 games. Well, I had a look around. I see Chris Langford's a year older than me. Richard Loveridge is a year older than me. So these will be my teammates. I go, Teddy Mew, he's three years old, two years older than me. Yes, he's four years older than me. These will be the blokes I play my career with. Tucky will be gone soon. <laughs> he, played another, he played another 200 games. <laughs> he played more games from that time than I did. <laughs> and he was playing game 250. But he was a nasty piece of work. <laughs> Brilliant player. You, you want the story about the bionic man, don't you? <laughs> there was a bloke for South Melbourne. This is how nasty he was. He wasn't just nasty, he was snide nasty. Mm. There was a bloke for South Melbourne by the name of Greg Smith and his shoulder kept popping out. He ended up at Collingwood and they called him the bionic man because he, they just... 
pop it back in and tape him up and keep the shoulder in. Anyway, I remember Tucky gave away a free kick. He fell into Smithy's back at Princess Park and, and it was really gooey, pluggy mud. And as I was running past with my opponent, making sure that he wasn't a, an option to target up with the receive, I ran past the mark chasing my man and I remember Johnny Russo was the umpire and he's yelling, let him up, Michael, let him up, let him up. And it was in the 15-metre days, so Tucky was arguing with him. And the reason Tucky was arguing with him, he was buying time. Smithy was plugged face down in the mud <laughs> so he couldn't move, he couldn't escape sideways, wriggle out. And as he'd fallen in the tackle, his bad-shouldered arm had gone behind his back, as if the old police put your hand behind their hammer lock, take him away. And Tucky had one hand on the back of Smithy's neck, pushing him face down into the mud, <laughs> a knee on the top of his coccyx above his yeah. butt, and with his free arm, he was reefing on the hammerlock. <laughs> and all he was doing was saying, oh, I didn't give him a free... Oh, I didn't push him in the back. <laughs> all he was doing was buying two or three seconds to reef on the hammerlock <laughs> on his bad arm. And Smithy was yelling and screaming like nobody's business, as we all would. But that was Tucky. He just he just knew people's weaknesses <laughs> and sore spots. <laughs> and them. Yeah, you just didn't... And he never got a, a vote in the Brownlow. No, that's his weird one. No, and what was it? Eight, best, eight runner up in best and fairest. Oh, Superb player. Yeah. So should, he was fast. Yeah. He was <laughs> 12 and a half stone, probably around the 6'2.5, 6'3 mark. Could run the pants off anybody. Booming kick. Hard ball winner and could run the lines. Um, he was an extraordinary, extraordinary. And he used to do a full fight. day's work on the tools before yep. training. Yeah, and he used to share a lift home with Airsy. Right. And if you tailed them out of Glenferry Car Park, you drive along Linda Crescent and then there was the Coles New World at the mm. end. They used to stop in there every, and not, not just once a week, every night after training and buy four cans, <laughs> two each for the trip home. And I'm convinced, no, I couldn't do this, I, I just couldn't check out like that mentally. I was stupid, I just lived and breathed the game and but Tucky could emotionally and mentally check mm. out the moment he exited the car park and I'm convinced that's what allowed him to play I'd for 20 years yeah, hey, very you, similar. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah there's a little bit of you in Tucky yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah pretty similar yeah footy was fun but once I left it well once I got home it was I didn't think about it again and I always said I didn't have enough brain power to concentrate on footy for seven days a week <laughs> So I basically needed to concentrate on it as soon as I, the umpire put the ball in the air. Even like before a game, I hardly concentrate and just think about other things. As soon as that ball got up, all my brain power for the week needed to go into those two hours of like yeah. what was going on, not um, overthinking it. So I would have cooked myself by the time the game started. So I had to get away from it because if I sat there and stewed on it, how bad I played, how good I played, or fucking game plan who I'm playing on all week, I would have been fucked by the time the game started. Yeah. So. I That's how you wired. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I wasn't wired like that. I I sort of how, how revved up would you get yourself during the week and before a game? I'd think about my opponent in this. I reckon your opponent was thinking about you. <laughs> 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 yeah. You'd think, you'd, yeah. I was. I'm six. 
Well, I played six one and a half. Yeah. And I'm playing against blokes starting prices six three, six four. So I'm thinking about what they did well. So yep. I always had to find a way to try and exploit their weakness. So I was very much a thinker as a as a forward, which a lot of forwards tend to be instinctive. Um, and I had a bit of instinct as well. But, yeah, I, I uh, would would just look at their strengths and weaknesses. In this, you know, people say, oh, it's fully professional now. In reality, we were professional. We spent as much – actually, we spent more time on the tracks. That's proven. Yep. We spent more time on the track than they do these days. We just weren't at the club for all the other meetings. <laughs> um, and so when you did your prep on the opposition, I, you, you, if you thought about the game, you'd do it yourself. Whereas you're forced to kind of do yeah. your prep now, aren't you? You go into the theatre room and <laughs> yes. you sit through and you listen to everybody else's, what yeah. your full back will be doing and you're playing centre forward and you <laughs> think, what do I need to know this? <laughs> exactly, you know, yeah. I'm not going to end up down there. But anyway, so that, that's what they do. And then they Dave's go... Great quote, sorry, buddy. Dave's great quote about assistant coaches. His best one was the ones who wouldn't speak to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just leave me to my job. Exactly. Exactly. Take give you the old one or two things. I, I didn't need to see... Because like you said, you do... On the Monday, I was, you review the side. Then you, you have to watch your tape with the coach. Watch... Every well, I didn't need to see myself get a handball on the wing and handball to someone like in complete space. So why? It's just football. Everyone, I can. I don't need to see myself taking. I'm gonna test the mark on the wing and run. Someone run past a handball. Yeah, and like they're reviewing that. Yeah, not nah, good handball, mate. It's like <laughs> fucking really long. Well, of course it was. Like, I don't need to see myself doing that. Like, yeah, oh, you missed that kick. Well, I know that. Like, show me some stuff of the game plan, or show me two or three clips of. Whatever I needed to do better game plan life. I had 40 on the weekend. I've been there for an hour and a half. I, was like, <laughs> I don't need to see myself do this. So the co- my favourite coaches were the ones who were like, mate, yeah, you know how to get the ball. We don't need to show you that. Let's just show you some defensive stuff or whatever you need. Five yeah, minutes and you're yeah. out. Yeah. The best game review I've ever sat in. <laughs> hey, Jules, my partner's here, and, we've, and she knows my best mate, Chris Whitman, brother right. Wits. So Alan Joyce took over from Alan Jeans, and we're on the wane. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, we got pants by St Kilda. Now, fair thing, they couldn't beat the bananas in pajamas, <laughs> and they pantsed us by seventy points. <laughs> anyway, so Joycey, we went into our little room, and he put on the replay, and we watched that. So we watched that for an hour, excerpts of that, and then he started, and he said, "Okay." Backline, uh, he started, he said, forward line. You love to do all the good stuff, but look at this. The ball comes in and then it goes back out again like water through a colander. And he went on for the next 15 minutes about the forward line. Lack of intent. And then he went, midfield, you don't win the footy enough. You let them beat you up around it. And he went on for another 10 minutes. And then he went, backline, you had a go. You're the one group, I'd say, did really well until you caved in. And then, and he's just on and on. And then he said, right, we're going to go out here tonight and train and train this way and that way. We're going to do. And he spoke for about 45 minutes of silence. And then he said, you're ready to go out there and train, boys, and turn this all around? Are there any questions? And Woody put up his hand and said, what the fuck's a colander? <laughs> he got cleared two weeks later. He got sent to St Kilda two weeks later. 
<laughs> That's a TV. <laughs> and what about pre-game? Because um, Dane, as he mentioned before, he said when the ball bounced, he was ready. But you, you used to actually physically get yourself into a fair state before when you ran. Yeah, out, not like Dipper. Like Dipper, you'd walk past him and you just elbow him, you know, and just stuff him. <laughs> Come on, Dip, you're going to get worse than that today, you know. He's yeah. like half psycho, Dip. Um, <laughs> no, nah, but before you'd go out there, I'd yeah. work myself up a little bit, but yep. you've got to still be have a bit of clarity. One thing I will say about before the game, that great Lee Matthews again, I watched him before a grand final and people were in there and all the... Brisbane guys were throwing a tennis ball. They had a tennis ball that's thrown it against the wall. Yep. When I was at Collingwood, he walked up to me before a game and said, what are you doing? I'm throwing a tennis ball against the wall. And I said, well, a footy's 15, 20 times bigger than the tennis ball. If I can focus on this tennis ball pinging off the wall back to me, I said, my eye's getting in for the footy that yep. comes at me quick and spearing him and... Oh, right, good idea. Right, okay. <laughs> Next thing I see is, you know, 10 years later, all <laughs> Brisbane are doing it before a game. He's bloody innovative, that Lee Matthews, <laughs> isn't he? So, but um, didn't he bring in the, like, uh, Collingwood, when Collingwood won the 1990, it was the first time you walked into the room, it just looked like a normal room. And his thing was... Don't make it bigger than it is because the players are as big as it can be anyway. So he wanted to bring down the mood a bit. Yeah, he, he did. Um, on, it, it. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental and more. Learn more at uh1.com. So I love Collingwood. Yep. So let me tell you the difference between Collingwood when I got there and and Hawthorne as I left. We lost the 87 grand final, <coughs> pardon me, in 88. And the night competitions back in those days, I mean, you'd, a club would turn a profit of 50,000 and you were one of, say, two out of 12 clubs who'd turned a profit. Yeah. The night grand final was worth 180 to 240,000. Three so, million now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So you would pull out all stops to win that. They were really eagerly yeah. content. It was the difference between being in the black and the red each year. Um, so from 87, we lost the grand final to Carlton. Reese stitched me up. We lost three games the next year, won the day grand final. Only lost three for the year. Won the night grand final. So there's two premierships. The following year, 
only lost three games again, won the day grand final and the night grand final. So did you play all your best players in the night grand final because they wanted to win? Or um, was there much resting? Uh, yeah, we did rest for the first two, and then when we thought, "Ooh, we're fair way down the track," yeah, yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, then we started bringing them in because it got closer to the start yeah. of the season too. Um, <clears throat> of the six games between September '87 and I think it's round two, 1990, we lost six games. Of those six games, I was—I think I was out, injured or suspended for four, and came off injured in two of those lost games so I didn't really play in a losing team for four calendar calendar years but when you did yeah. you'd go back to the social club at Hawthorne and blokes who were normally hey great to see you you know they'd sneer at you <laughs> you'd lost you'd lost six games over four calendar years and they'd sneer at you <laughs> And you think, geez, they're unsatisfied, aren't they? I went to Collingwood. And the first game I played, uh, we lost. So we went back to a Collingwood supporters group. It was down in Geelong. Went back to a pub where there was a Collingwood supporters group. And we had to get presented there. And, and, and as was my charter, I was walking through with Severio to walk through and... And you would have thought the Beatles walked into town. <laughs> the big band started off. They were backslapping, and we just lost. And, and I'm saying to these young boys, "This is not real. This is not. This is not the real world, boys. This is not how it works. Yeah. You can't get your back slapped when you've just been beaten. Coming from a team whose culture was nothing but winning stands, they yeah, it was so vastly." Different, the two clubs. Did you run through the huddle at Geelong in your first game? Um, no, Ezzy was coaching, one of my best mates. Yeah, that's a great memory by you. <laughs> no, 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 Aaron Smith, who, who I worked with the child, I knew he was coming yeah. here. Everyone's uh, got a photo of you going through Jeff Geish and the assistant coach. No, I, I, <laughs> Ezzy came out in the ground, and I, gen unlike the Essendon one, yeah. um, I just was jogging past, and they hadn't even formed. Right. And Jeff Geeshan just thought he'd take it on himself to make sure I didn't, and he <laughs> approached me, so I pushed him and gave him the <laughs> F off and yeah. whatever. And then the league realised that they sat on their hands some six or seven years earlier when I did run through the Essendon <laughs> huddle, and so they gave me a fine. Um, where I, as I didn't run through the huddle. I just yeah. ran around the skirts of it and it hadn't even formed. Um, but I tell you what, one of the world's great guys, Alan McAllister, he he ponied up and said, here you go, son, that's... <laughs> he said, here you go, put that in. Oh, yeah, so Collingwood was, president of the time. Yeah, he was fantastic. I, I thought he was a great guy. They, the one thing I say about Collingwood was, and as I've just sort of uh, illustrated, that they love... Their players yeah. so much. They genuinely... You wear a Collingwood jumper and they will love you. I, I, I'd not experienced that. I mean, every team loves their players. But this is on a different level. A different <laughs> level completely. In fact, the first night I went to training at Collingwood, there was some supporter, teenage boy supporter, who leant over the fence pre-season and he hadn't yet disassociated... 
the player that was Brereton with the Hawthorne Football Club, and he said, "You shouldn't be here." <laughs> <laughs> all right, son. Okay, all right. Well, I dare say covering covering your first training session would have been Eddie Maguire. So it'd be wrong not to ask you about your your days when you were both young. Yeah, and you were at your top as a footballer. And he was uh, as the number one news hound. Uh, was there any sign that he was competitive at that stage of his life? <laughs> Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm playing. I think my first game of State of Origin footy, and I'm 20 years of age. Yeah. We're in Adelaide, and we win. And of course, when Victoria win, Teddy Whitten would make sure that everything's put on. So by now, it's like 10:30 at night. Get on the bus, get back to the hotel, and. Everybody straight downstairs. We're going to have a drinks. We're on the VFL. So we go down there and Eddie's a 19-year-old rookie, Jono. And all the drinks are on and suddenly there's Doug Hawkins, Terry Danaher, Vanders and and they're all having playing games, drinking beer. And I'm looking at it going, Jesus, I'm from Frankston. I, I'm, I don't even do this. <laughs> And then they start playing boat races, you know, skull the pot, put it on your head, the bloke behind in the chair does it. And this young 19-year-old lad journalist walks up next to me and goes, G'day, mate, I'm, I'm Ed. And I said, oh, yeah, I know who you are, I'm Dan, how are you? And he goes, yeah, good, mate, good. And we're just looking at these two, you know, the blokes having the, the beer races and that. And I said to Ed... I don't know about you, but I don't get my jollies watching blokes have drinking games. And he said, me either. I said, I like chicks. (laughs) (laughs) And and then Eddie said, me too. (laughs) And so we went into, it was probably dangerous, would be now, Hindley Street at like 11.30 at night. I thought, we're going to a disco. Well... Tuesday night, Hindley Street, in the mid-80s. We got in there. As soon as we got in there, we thought, well, nothing's open. But So we just jumped straight back in the cab and came straight back. <laughs> but that was the first time we ever had a conversation. Just, and then we ended up mates from yeah. there. Now, there were times when, even when Eddie wasn't outside the... Because I went to the tribunal 17 times, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> there was times when, when I'd come out of the tribunal and Eddie would... Asked me a question, I say, Yeah, Ed, such and such, and then somebody else from another publication or radio house would ask a question, uh, You're disappointed with the decision, Dermot? I'd say, Eddie, yeah, it's a, yeah. <laughs> and even it got to the stage where, like, I'd get suspended and come out, and Eddie wasn't even there, and somebody would, you know, PC or whatever, would say, Oh, Derm, you must be disappointed, and I'd preface it with, Eddie, that's a terrible decision. <laughs> yeah, I'm really disappointed. I just preface it with Eddie all the time, and Eddie loved it, <laughs> and we stayed great mates forever. Did he ever not love you? Was there ever times where he? Because that's probably given me the biggest surprise I've ever had in my life. Snap, and, and Ralph the same. Was, was there, did you ever fall, run foul of him? No, no. Eddie and I have been great mates, but he's so passionate about mm. what he does. Um, there was time we were commentating together on Channel 9 and Collingwood were playing on a Friday night and I've made uh, a judgment call on something and uh, it 
it didn't turn out right. I thought I said, oh, if they had a win, this needs to happen, blah, blah, blah. And it didn't eventuate. Anyway, I'm sitting there with Ed during one of the breaks after the game. Mm-hmm. Collingwood lost, so he's in a bad mood. <laughs> and we're chatting about the game. And I just flippantly said, and there were cameramen and the likes standing around. And I said, I said, yeah, bugger, I got that call wrong. And he said, and he, we, he bitterly, he, went, he just, it was more his yeah. disappointment. He said, yeah, that was a shit call. <laughs> and I stared at him <laughs> and he looked back at me. And turned away and went on with it. <laughs> and you might have even been there, Ralphie. And uh, Dave Gray and Dusty oh, yeah, and they yeah. were all filming. And I knew they were waiting for a response. And at the end, I walked up to him and said, Ed, you and I have been too much, through too much for you to talk to me like that. And he looked at me and he said, yeah, you're, you're dead right. I'm really sorry. Yeah. And, and that, so he will own any mistake. Yeah. He, he yeah. owned that mistake and he realised it was his emotion. And I got it wrong as well. So it's the, one thing about it, he can cut and run and move on as quick yeah. as anybody you'll ever You've meet. You've always said that, haven't you? Yeah. 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 I was like, when we, <coughs> looking back and through um, your know, hindsight's final thing, I probably did deserve the odd spray down during <laughs> my time. Probably, probably just one or two. Uh, but the thing was, and I've said... Like he'd just feel like he needed to get it out of his system. So he'd go, right, oh, you fucking this, that, that. He'd go off his head and then, like, it just something has washed over him. But take a deep breath. Right now, it's out of his system. What can we do? How do we help you? How do we move on? How do we get you out of this? Or how can we hide this from them? Or He's good how <laughs> he jumps from one to the next. Yeah. He, it's like he does take that deep yeah. breath and go, I need I've to get told you what I think. <laughs> yeah. Right. Next is the solution. Yeah, exactly. And that's what he moves straight to. Yeah. I, and and people say, oh, he's your mate. Yeah, of course he is. But I don't know of anybody who was willing to move so much earth and willing to put himself out so much to help people who need help. Mm-hmm. He really does go yeah. above. People say, oh, yeah, I'll give you an intro, I'll do that. He will... He will go and pick you up and take you somewhere if you need an introduction to somebody. Is there your top three list of people if you had to make a phone call? Uh, depending on the circumstances. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's my probably outside of the, the three to four great people I've met through football, which I would say are Hawthorne people. Yep. He's my best friend, ally. Outside of the Hawthorne football club, I mean, I, I love jeans. Yep, I loved our CEO John Lawrence, and I loved Ian Dicker, um, and uh, our surgeon Pete Wilson. Those four men are arguably the best four men I've met on the outside of the ground in my life, and obviously Ed is on the outside of the boundary as well from another club. Sorry, boy, boy you saying your surgeon not going to jump to one of the Dane <laughs> brought up last year with his foot being fucked. Dane realised quickly that he was no longer a league footballer when he went to get medical attention. When did the penny drop with you that you, you couldn't just get snap your fingers and go to a doctor and just get looked up. I just sit, I just sit there all day. I sat about six hours. Oh, this doesn't happen. I just sit there and wait. I have to come out and get the MRIs. So I 
what's this all about? <laughs> I to, I'm a commoner now. Like, you walk into training, they go, yep, straight in, through the back door, then and straight And even the, when you reach a certain status in your team, they'll be dealing with some dirty little back flanker yeah, or whatever, exactly. and you just push him off the bed and say, hey, hey, me, boss, me. Exactly. I've um, there all day. I can recall. So when I... When I retired, I'll tell you how I retired. Um, I had my shoulder pinned and I had a clean out on my knee. So I went to training at Collingwood. I was going to play a game for season 96. And they said, see how you go, jog two laps. And they, I put my arm like in the position you would if you were in a sling and they bandaged it around so it wouldn't swing while I jogged a few laps. And I had a little knee brace on. And I went to jog a lap. I got halfway across and I thought, no, nah, that's really sore. So then I walked across the ground. I said, no, nah, no good, bit sore. My daughter was about six months old and she was in a bassinet. I went home that night and I went to pick her up and I couldn't one-handed. It was a balancing act because yeah. my arm was in a sling. So I thought, no, I'll bend down to her. I'll kneel down. I couldn't bend my knee because <laughs> it was all bandaged up. So I just stood above her looking at her and I thought, what the hell am I doing? And I rang... Gubby Allen said, mate, I think I could be done. <laughs> so that's why I the, – the, and from that first moment where I thought, what am I doing? Yeah. The decision took about seven minutes. Yes. Honestly. But then there was a few operations, rectification operations you need to do. And you go in there and they handed me a form to fill in. And I, was, I looked at it and went, what the fuck's that? <laughs> exactly, yeah. <laughs> Not just get a derp. I said, well, I don't do this. <laughs> I'm like, You're going to start learning. And then asked for a credit card and a bill. I said, just Bill Collingwood. <laughs> yeah. <an> idea. Yeah. <laughs> where will I be sending this? Well, it won't be in my house. Yeah. <laughs> it's Vic Park. That's where you're sending the bills. And then what about you? And I'm still, Julie will have a laugh. I have to re-register and re-roadworthy. I reckon, so I've got a few cars in the family. I miss at least one every year. <laughs> and I, it goes back to then. I open the mail and there's a thing called a registration renewal. I'm like, what the hell is this? Because <laughs> they used to go straight to the club. Yeah. <laughs> they fix all that up. Yeah, Repayments for your car. Hang on, that goes to the club as well. <laughs> I had such... I mean, there's the emotions that living at the top end oh. in football where the microscope is on you for thousands of people every weekend viewing your every move teaches you certain uh, attitudes and, and ways to deal with uh, mental anxiety and the like. You learn so much about yourself emotionally. But I'll tell you what, does it shelter you from the everyday <laughs> life? Absolutely. <laughs> you come in and tell I don't to fucking fill out my health insurance. I've got no idea. I still don't know. In fact, dear old mum, she's 90. She's just had her hip replaced. She's doing really well. Um, she's given me two bills and said, you've got to pay these, Dermot. And I said, uh, I'll get to it, mum. Um, I said, Oh, when I was in there, I said to them, any, has mum got any bills outstanding? And they said, yeah, one for $50 for some papers or whatever it is from the hospital and one, another one for 60 bucks or whatever it was for some medicine and that. And I pulled out my wallet and I said, well, get me while I'm here. Yeah. And they said, oh, no, we'll send it to you. I said, no, nah, get me while yeah. I'm here. And, and they said, no, we can't take your money. And I went, well, all right, that's on you. So I've still got to pay that. Sorry, Mum. <laughs> Not that you'll be listening yeah. well, <laughs> to this know. podcast. A yeah. couple more yeah. quick ones. Um, and thanks for your generosity here. So I often mention you and Jason. 
the in, pig. In so far as Dane and Scott Pendlebury, because Dane often says that Pendles couldn't have done it his way and he couldn't have done it Pendles' way, and they were so, so great on field together. You and Jason are very, very different people, even though you were so great on field together. Yeah, I'll actually speak to people, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually get along with people. <laughs> you mentioned, you know, match reviews before. Mm. You'd get some kid in his... <laughs> Second or third game, nervous to be playing amongst Ayres, Langford, uh, Mew, Collins, Dunstall, Tuck, Dippier. There's some household names in there. And there'd be some poor kid playing his third game. And they say, all right, let's have a look at the review tape. And Dunstall would say from the back, yeah, let's have a look at Hebe Graham's blooper tape. You know, <laughs> in front of the team. And I think, you asshole, why would you do that? He ended up being captain of the club. He was their fifth choice. But he ended up, because we all fell over through injury. Um, an unbelievable player. Unbelievable. Shit bloke. But an unbelievable player. Player, you know how you walk along the road and you see people walking their dog, and they'll they'll they say, "Oh, look at him!" And you're Dane Swan. You go, "Oh, lovely dog!" And they say, "Oh, Swanee, yeah, this dog he does this and he does that," and uh, and you say, "Oh, yeah, right, okay." Are you married? No, I just love my dog. You know, whatever. You know those people who love their dogs more than other humans. Yeah. <laughs> Jason is one of them. He just doesn't have a dog. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't think you were going to know the part, but yeah. (laughs) And you've Gary Ayres now. Now big Garfield, love him. Yes, yeah. So my favourite one, and you tell. (laughs) Now, now it's very uh, you know uh, 2023 about you know including everyone. Yeah. He he. um, Oh. (laughs) <laughs> Big Garfield, his his ex-wife has passed on now. She's right. deceased, but lovely lady, Jackie. Um, we're playing the exhibition games overseas, and uh, I'll try and abbreviate this somewhat. Um, and so we've got the trip over there and whatever. Um, <laughs> we used to get this thing called the Hawthorne Incentive Club, and they used to pop in a few bob or win, and then if you lost, it went back to zero. And then at the end of the year, you might have a thousand bucks owing to you, whatever. So we used to take that away on the end of season trip, and that was our spending money. Don Scott thought that we were getting paid under the table, no, but we just used it as per diems at the end of the year. Scott is an idiot. Anyway, <laughs> um, Glad we've cleared so that up. Got that. Take a list here. Yeah. Yeah. But on on one of the trips to London as he thought this is a great opportunity to show my wife Jackie the world yeah so he when he took Jackie he went a day or two earlier than the team and he got a different hotel for Jackie and whatever but Jackie would come along to some of the um, functions and whatever and a few of the lads would be talking to some of the promotion girls and then when Jackie would be look over they go oh back off back <laughs> off you know can't have any rumours spreading around anyway some of the guys I thought it was fantastic good on him Ezzy's his own man Ezzy and everybody wanted to be like Ezzy he was big he was good looking he was cool he was tough he was he was the Fonzie of our team you know <laughs> he was just yeah whatever he just had an answer but didn't speak much but had an answer if you if you really quizzed him. He, he was just awesome. 
Anyway, so he took Jackie on the trip and a couple of the lads were speaking and they said, yeah, it's cramping our style with Jackie coming to all these functions. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, he, I suppose in, in football terms, he broke the code of honour by bringing Jackie along, but he, they were in a different hotel. Anyway, so they're going, somebody's got to tell him that you can't bring Jackie to the next <laughs> function. And he goes, yeah, somebody's got to tell him. Who's going to tell him? And then they all start whistling Dixie. And then Dipper walks into the circle. Oh, no. So they give it the, hey, Dipper, yeah, you know how you're the toughest? Yeah. You know how you're the leader? Yeah. You're not really the captain, but you're the leader, Dip. That's you. You're the one. You say it goes. Yeah, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. I'm doing sound like bloody Neville Bartos, but <laughs> and they tell him, we don't reckon Jackie should come to the next function. You should tell him, Dipper. And he went, yeah, okay. <laughs> so anyway, Dipper walks over to Ezzy and he says, Ezzy. Boys have been talking over there, and yeah, I'm with them. I'm going to tell you. Uh, they've been saying, and we've been talking, we don't think Jackie should come to the next official function, okay? And as he just goes from a smile on his face, the brows lower and <laughs> stares at Dipper with death eyes. <laughs> and there's a few seconds pause of nothing, and Dipper goes... It's all right by me, but the guys are really <laughs> pissed off. <laughs> He's just backed out of it a hundred miles per hour. And Easy didn't speak to him for a couple of months after that. Oh, he was hard, Easy. I remember when Gary Buckinara tried to leave the club. Uh, he tried to go back to Perth when the Eagles came in. And Hawthorne stood their ground. And then we had a first night of training again once. And Jeans, Jeansy called in. And he said, all right, welcome back, Gary. He's tried to make the move for family reasons, but he'll be staying here. So, yeah, good on your buck. We shook his hand and all. As he walked up to him, stared him in the eyes and said, just as well, I didn't want to have to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just deadpan. <laughs> Amazing man. So you go around again, Fox and SEN? And yeah, yeah, we'll have another go at that. Yeah, if Nick's... Actually, yeah, Nick has left a little bit of money in the tank, hasn't he? Nick yeah. Rewald? Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's, yeah. He's, you put your hand out for some of it? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's getting, getting more than the rest of us put together. Yeah. But you, when uh, I was so lucky to work with you when you first came out of the game, and yep. Triple M was the first year in '97, and you, for the, for people young, mm. you, you had a Tony Romo like impact. And part of Ed's uh, chemistry with you, apart from being mates, is that he really put forward your strategic knowledge of the game, which he obviously knew because at the time you were. You were the big game player, but you're also the guy who went to the tribunal a lot. But that was one of the things that you got across so quickly and what really resonated. What what made you think, well, no, I can actually make this <laughs> make an, a media career out of this post-footy? Um, the first time it, it twigged on me, oh, <laughs> funny enough, I was out suspended. <laughs> and <laughs> it was actually the ABC. Can you picture me as an ABC? Not really. No. No. <laughs> And and further to that too, just as an adjunct, you said you know, Mick couldn't coach yeah. these days. I really worry for society. I think we haven't even bottomed out in no. terms of softness yet. Yeah. <laughs> in ter I, I, I truly think yeah. we're going to paralyse ourselves with the ability to coach yeah. 
and tell young people what to do in terms of a team plan. And I look no further than my own backyard. My son loves singular sports. He's a really good, was a really good football. He's injury prone, but he likes surfing, skateboarding, snowboarding, mixed martial arts more than team sport. Yep. That's the sign of these times. Um, so I don't think we've bottomed out yet. And until we get to a point where we will struggle to make teams and make young people adhere to team philosophies, I think we're going to go further down the slope before something has to break and we come up again. And because every young player says, oh, I love feedback. I love getting <laughs> feedback. Of course, negative. <laughs> but yeah, but it's always yeah. got to be feedback about how good they are. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, uh, we, we, we were no, just when you started, because there was, oh, it was, yes, there was yeah. two philosophies at Triple M, if you, if you see it, say it, and your, your real straight-out-of-the-game knowledge, mm. which I think blew a lot of people away, because as I said at the time, apart from your awesome big game record it was known for your violence as well but the strategies <laughs> was less known some of the strategies had it's a very good strategy when you don't have an opponent because he's lying on the ground <laughs> but apart from that ralphie apart from that um as i said at my size uh, and people say oh you couldn't play center half forward now i wouldn't yep I mean, Peter Curran, six foot four. He played on the flank next to me. Paul yep. Abbott played on the flank next to me. Other flank. He's six five and a half. Yep. Um, Russell Morris was six foot four. Played on the flank next to me. So all these blokes. But Jeansy would allow the person who could play the position, part of me, to play there. So it was all about movement in those days, and you got a lot of one on ones. So you could still play at my size. Play that. Like Dangerfield when he goes forward, you'd play like that probably yep. these days. So. Uh, my strategy of looking at the game, I had to be a deep thinker about how to beat the opponent. Um, I looked at the game slightly different to how good mark, good kick, oh, lovely goal. I, I wanted people to know how it was created. And and as a caller, the that can lead me into being long-winded and I know that's uh, – I get – pretty long-winded on some of my explanations, and I've forever gone, shut up, dude. <laughs> Try and conglomerate it. Uh, sorry, um, uh, condense it. Yep. And I know that. Um, I was out suspended, and the ABC invited me on, and I. they asked me a few special comments, and I said a few things, that, and it made... I remember Smooth Booth was on... <laughs> yes. And he turned sideways and looked at me and he said, is that so? And I said, well, yeah. And I was just saying stuff like, um, well, that you can't lead there because the, the player's not good enough to kick the ball there. It's like a bloke forced onto his right foot, running down the right-hand boundary, coming out of the back flank, and he's got somebody pressuring him from behind. He can never kick the ball inboard. Yep. It's a one out of ten chance of hitting the target. If you lead up there, so what you have to do is lead out wide and you're about a three out of ten chance to mark that and it has to be a perfect <laughs> kick. Otherwise, it's like playing a straight bat in cricket. It's a dead ball. You're going to go for the mark. You get spoiled, but at least it'll go over the boundary line in your half. So stuff like that. And he said, well, why wouldn't he run to the space? I said, because the, the backman can't make that kick. He's under pressure, and B, he's a backman. <laughs> if he could kick it, he'd be in the midfield. <laughs> so stuff yeah. like that, and they were like, oh, oh, right, okay. 
Okay, so they didn't see in those days. They didn't look at stuff like that. Yeah, so no, I'm, I'm, it, it, the best analogy I suppose I can use it was the difference between a VHS recorder and streaming something. What you were bringing to the table, it was so different at the time. Now nowadays, obviously, you know, there's a new wave of Joe yeah. Watson and Nathan Jones and lots of great players who were straight out of the game were bringing that, but they're probably going through the team meeting system, which was like yeah, the so th- which is great. Yeah. And I learn from some of the guys now in some of the yeah. team strategies and and you and Luke Hodge do a good back and forth on Sed old bull young bull style. <laughs> <laughs> Hodgie. Well, I was on the board when we recruited yeah. Hodgie. He's good, Hodgie. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, wasn't a great player, but he was... <laughs> no, he was a great player. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. It's the closest you can be to being involved with it. Um, I mean, as a kid, all I wanted to do was play footy. Yeah. I never had harboured any ambitions of doing anything else other than playing footy. Although, I reckon... Uh, it would have been nice to be opening bowler for Australia. <laughs> Terrifying a few. If you could bowl 150, yeah. whereas I was an opening bowler and I reckon I got them out there at about 120. <laughs> That's not going <laughs> to terrify enough. too many batsmen. But I always thought at local level, if you could bounce somebody, a batsman, the ball hits him in the head... And he falls on the stumps. That's the perfect. <laughs> you got him. Sort of he's got a mental scar, and he's out. And a physical scar. Yeah. So the back and forth with you and Doug Hawkins was Doug wasn't quite as cerebral in his in his uh, way he verbalised the game. Genius as a player, <laughs> Dougie could see so, individual it, players' yes. actions like awesome. very few others. He could like he somebody be hard on the boundary, uh, a set shot, and Doug would say. I'd look at it and say, well, the options aren't on here, but what we need is the place and, you know, further upfield to clear out the full forward, give him space to lead. And Doug would say, oh, why doesn't he fake play on and sidestep him? <laughs> Lo and behold, bang, fake sidestep, yeah. uh, fake play on, sidestep, the bloke runs close to the goal. He can see that sort of individual player moment, but he didn't really see the whole thing. The, one of the greatest players of all time, some people say he is, was... Uh, uh, very illiterate in football, and that was the great Gary Ablett Senior. Yep. So who he you would, played with? Yeah. At one stage, the half forward line for Hawthorne Reserves was Ablett, uh, Peter Curran, and and myself. So <laughs> it wasn't a bad half forward line <laughs> in the Magoos. Um, but Gary Ablett played on a wing early days, and we knew he had talent, and he'd kick five on the wing. And he'd have 25 possessions in an era where 25 was like serious ball-winning stuff. And the ball would land in his zone and he'd balk somebody and he'd bomb one from 65. And the next week the game had changed and Geelong would be running the ball out of the back line and he'd have six possessions for the day because he couldn't find it in stream. And then Malcolm, he didn't know, all right, press further up. Or hang further back. He he didn't see his way through the stream of play, um, and then the great Malcolm Blight said, "Put him at full forward. They either kick it over his head for a goal, or they kick it to him, and he doesn't have to think too greatly about it. He just uses natural talent to win the ball." And he started kicking a hundred goals <laughs> a year. <laughs> so so the, you got players like that, purely instinctive. Doug, the great Gary Ablett. Which I'd say Doug Hawkins too. I would call him the great Doug Hawkins. Yeah. yeah. Um, all right, to finish with, nothing more important than betting for us. Math science, we call it. Um, yeah. where, where you, you used to say to me, when you're down, 
Chase. Oh, was that but, someone else? But um, but with, what do you give the Collingwood fans? Listen to this. As far as why did they surprise everyone last year, and is there a chance that everyone? It's a numbers game, Ralphie. It's a numbers game, and they won so many close margins. They're going to have to win a lot of close margins again. This year, although they're in good nick. Yeah. Really good nick. I think your boys are the... The Ds? Yeah. yeah. If they can sort out uh, an avenue to goal where one forward can get 60, the rest of them will pick up the slack and they will take a power of stopping. Van Ruin, I've been told, apparently is a star. Yes. Now, I've had a think about that, boy. I've seen some clips on yes. him. Yes, what can you tell me? And people say, oh, they should have played him last year. They didn't have the, you know, the... the the nuts to trot him out late in the year. If they know he's good enough, they play him. He obviously wasn't ready. If you Chris know... Chris Waller never ran Winks as a two-year-old. She wasn't ready. Then, well, then I can she think was of a bloke who was 18 <laughs> in two weeks and played in his first game in a <laughs> semi-final and just banged home five. <laughs> if you're good enough, they'll play yeah, you. Yeah, true. So I'm hoping the kid is good. He wasn't quite ready then, and yep. he's ready now. Yeah. Um, but they say he's pretty good. I've only seen some clips of him. Haven't sat down and watched his game yet. So the thing is with those, it's tough for those young players now because they don't get a chance to actually play football. They are a strategic... They're like a lamp post that stands in the middle of the forward line and they drill run up and down the ground. But as for turning somewhere... See, the way they play Dusty when he goes forward, he gets a chance to play football because they set it up around him. These kids won't get that chance because they've got to play to the strategic nature of the forward half of that team. So has coaches helped or hindered the game? Oh, hindered it. Yeah. Hindered it. Um, the game is designed to beat yesteryears or the previous generation's version of the game. Yep. And it will always evolve that way I, I actually am a it's just still a great sport to watch still a great sport to call I'm worried a bit for the game the Australian facts and figures will show you and people say oh there's so the pool's so big now it's not the AFL will trot out the line there are more kids playing Oz kick now than ever before in the history of our sport yeah that's true Australian uh, at Canberra, all their research shows that at under 16 level, there are more kids playing soccer than Australian rules, rugby union and rugby league put together by under 16s. So there's so many avenues, other avenues for young people to play and a lot of those numbers... <coughs> Uh, junior, you know, Auskick and the likes, which is fantastic, uh, are quite plumped up by the girls playing now, which is awesome as well. No doubt. Mate, thanks so much for coming yeah, in, particularly short notice. My pleasure. Who 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 said no that they couldn't get in, that you went to <laughs> the reserve shelf? <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Are you Fear. worried about damaging your brand being with us? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I didn't drop too many magics, did I? Uh, uh, so, not as many as Swanee. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.